Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Car Session Sports Report that I bring to you live every Monday on Blog Talk Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. The number to call in and join the conversation is 657 383 0306. Once again, that's 657-383-0306. It was an eventful weekend, to say the least, in sports. We had a lot of, you know, exciting action, a lot of transactions taking place, people losing their jobs. But beyond that, we lost a couple of prominent figures in the sports world. Every now and again in life, you know, we get re- re- like reality checks, we'll call them. We look at these sports and the, and the, the figures within the sports. I don't want to call them superheroes, but larger than life. So to see a young and up-and-coming superstar in Jose Fernandez lose his life in such a tragic manner, and to also see a legend in all of sports and a legend of America and Arnold Palmer passed away all on the same day. You know, it, it, it drives home the point that at the end of the day, whether you're on TV, whether you work a nine to five, whether you're homeless, whatever your situation is in life, we we all have to meet our end at some point. And it's, it's never easy. It's never easy. Like, I'm not a Marlins fan. I'm a Met fan. And I got to tell you, I appreciated watching Jose Fernandez pitch. Although he killed us, he was a joy to watch. I got the alert Sunday morning. I woke up to the alert, actually. And I, I was legitimately sad because, you know, it, it sucks. You know, a boating accident, something so random. It just shows you how precious life is. You know, he did, he woke up. Sunday morning, excuse me, Saturday morning, not expecting that that would be his last day on earth. He was expecting to pitch against the Mets on Monday. Have a great time with his boys. Have a great Saturday night in Miami Beach, of course. Why not? The, the last weekend of the summer, the first weekend of fall, why not? So to lose his life in such a tragic fashion, it's, it's kind of depressing, man. I won't lie to you. You got to, you know, to everybody, you know, I don't want to be too preachy, but moments like this where people who are larger than life to some degree, lose their lives, it, you, you really got to, you got to look at yourself in the mirror and really think about, you know, live your life to the fullest and appreciate the time that you have while you're here, you know, Arnold Palmer on the other hand, he lived a full life, but all the same, full, not, full life or not, he was a legend, a guy had a drink named after him, a golfing legend. Before there was Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson and Rory McIlroy and all of these other name players around the world, VJ Singh, etc. I, I gave you generations of hockey superstars. There was Arnold Palmer. The guy was an American legend. 2016 has been a rough year, man. I'm not gonna pretend. I'm not gonna pretend here like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a golf fan or anything. But the, at the end of the day, as a sports fan. I was aware of who Arnold Palmer was. I was aware of his impact on the sport and his impact on American culture. Going back to Jose Fernandez, his impact on the Cuban culture, the Cuban, the, the Cuban people in Miami who looked at him as the beacon for what, what could be the American dream coming over because he wasn't born in the States. He came over from Cuba, and he made a life in a city where most Cubans go to for refuge. When you think about that for a second, there's plenty of Cuban baseball players all over the country, for him to go where every Cuban has gone, Miami, let me not say every, let me not generalize, but where most, if not all Cubans have gone, 
before they start off on their journey, wherever they end up in the States. They go to Miami. He is the Cuban dreamer in a sense. Get to Miami and make something of yourself in the land of the free. 24 years yo. 24 years young, I should say. Excuse me. I, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to speak because it's, it's really tough, man. It's really tough. You know, I'm getting older and I'm, I'm more times appreciating life a lot more. Like, I'm not in my 40s or anything, but you just have an understanding of the time that you have here. So I just want to say, you know, before we get into the sports report of it all, I had to, I had to do my due diligence and pay respect to American legend Arnold Palmer. You know, in a sense, we lost a legend in Arnold Palmer. And we lost a potential legend in Jose Fernandez in a span of 24 hours. You, you, we bookended Sunday with, with the loss of Fernandez and the loss of, of Palmer. It's, it's, it's rough. It's really rough, man. But you know what? I needed to pay my respects to them. Rest in peace, Arnold Palmer, Jose Fernandez. You're on the other side. Watch over us. Watch over your family. You know, get some popcorn, pull next to the big homie upstairs, and, and enjoy what's about to take place because I get the feeling that fall is going to be one of the most memorable falls that we've had in a while. So, everybody, you know, let's pick up the energy now. Let's get into the sports report. Odell Beckham. Josh Norman, part two. You know, you had to know I was starting with that. If I didn't start with that, I'd be playing myself. Let's, let's keep it 100 right now. As I told you guys on Car Sessions New York City, whatever you were expecting to take place in terms of a showdown or fisticuffs or anything of that nature, when it came to Odell Beckham and Josh Norman, that you would be greatly disappointed. I gave you guys the heads up. I warned you. It wasn't going to be no, no, how you say, personal fouls, no grudge match, no hell in a cell match, no, no, <laughs> no, no host barred Mick Foley versus Triple H match. None of that was going to take place. What I expected to happen, to a certain degree, happened. I expected the Giants to be a little more aggressive offensively with their approach when it came to Odell Beckham, getting them more involved in the game. To start To my surprise The Giants took the exact opposite approach But I'm going to get into that in a second I kind of want to dig in on some of you sports fans Because once again I got to sit back I have to sit back And listen To you guys Be lazy Be extremely lazy with your analysis and your assessment of players. The trigger word, the catchphrase, the, the, the lightning rod speech right now is Odell Beckham is the new Terrell Owens. You know, this morning at around 6.30 when I was on my way to work, yes, I, I work early, people. 6.30 in the morning, you know, that thought popped in my head because I was thinking to myself, like, you know, I got to do caution. I got to do caution tonight. I, I, I gotta, I have to talk about what I gotta talk about when it comes to Josh Norman and Odell Beckham. And I saw a few things, admittedly, that were kind of Terrell Owen-ish. But for everybody to run to that because they see a receiver, emotional, getting slightly crazy on the sidelines, it's lazy to me. Every wide receiver who gets upset or who gets frustrated is not the new T.O. There was a lot more than Terrell Owens besides sideline emotional outbursts. They tried to do the same thing to Des Bryant before to, before a Odell Beckham. You try to put these wide receivers who are very emotional, very animated in, in a certain pocket where you get to vilify them and make them villains without even doing your full assessment, doing the full research. I'm on, again, I always say to y'all, I'm on Twitter. I'm on these chat lines. I'm on Facebook. I'm everywhere where you can get sports. I'm reading these articles and I'm sitting back and I'm saying, P.O.? Really? Don't get me wrong. Odell Beckham is not innocent by any stretch of the imagination. Is he a, is he a bit much? Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. He, he's a bit much. He's a lot 
on the sidelines. Every now, we saw last year with, with Norman Beckham won. When he's not in control of himself, where things can go. But yesterday, for the astute eye, for the people who were watching the game, Odell Beckham had a legitimate gripe. An extremely legitimate, uh, legitimate gripe about what was taking place. Going back to what I said a few minutes ago, the Giants were actively avoiding Odell Beckham. It almost, it felt to me as though they were trying to protect Odell Beckham from himself. Let's not throw the ball over there. Let's avoid any skirmishes where Odell Beckham would catch the ball and have to deal with Josh Norman tackling him the wrong way or whatever the case may be. You know what I'm saying? Going into the fourth quarter, and I know TJ, you know, TJ, if you listen and call in, brother, because I want to I wanna get your this. I know you was watching that game too. So, going into the fourth quarter, he only had five targets. This is one of the best receivers in the NFL, if not the best. You know, I want to say he's the best, but I don't want to start a firestorm because you still have Antonio Brown out there, and he's pound for pound. If, if, if there was a pound for pound list for when it comes to wide receivers in the NFL, Antonio Brown is number one. Odell Beckham is a close second. But if you ask me for my personal opinion, I think Odell Beckham is the best wide receiver in the NFL. And you have the best, most dynamic wide receiver in the NFL. We see what he does when he gets the ball. It was the fastest, with 300, 200 receptions and 3,000 yards in NFL history. Not even Randy Moss can say he was the fastest of that. Odell Beckham Jr. was the fastest of that. This guy makes plays, and you only targeted him five times. And, and let's not act like Josh Norman was locking him up because he wasn't. He wasn't. I saw Odell get off the line many times, and, it, and Eli didn't even look his way. So, of course, if I'm Odell Beckham, of course we know how the media works, and I'm Odell Beckham. I'm not getting these targets. I got two receptions for 44 yards going into the fourth quarter, and I'm not being targeted, and I'm not being targeted for any good reason, actually, but just because it seems like Coach uh, McAdoo was trying to avoid a situation. I'm going to get upset, too. The office is playing silly football on top of everything else. If I was Odell Beckham, I would be tight, supremely tight, and he was upset. Because at the end of the day, if I'm dope at something, and let's be let's be real about this, sports fans. I'm not here to talk no crap. I'm not here to talk any hot garbage to y'all. If you feel that you're dope at something, why should you be restricted from shining when it's your time to shine? That's a fair question. He wasn't frustrated because of anything Josh Norman wasn't doing. Was doing, excuse me. He wasn't frustrated because they were losing because a lot of the times the Giants were ahead for most of the game. He was frustrated because the Giants were actively avoiding him in the offense. And then when he did get the ball in the fourth quarter, the offense ignited. And did I see a comment where, where, where Ben McAdoo is out here talking about Odell has to control his emotions and do a better job of doing of, of handling himself while he's on the sidelines. Hey, McAdoo, how about you involve him in the offense? Huh? How about that? Is it, am I asking for too much? He has to do a better job of controlling himself. You were the reason he couldn't control himself, coach. He got to do a better job of controlling himself. If he's not getting targeted, it's not like he was targeted 10 times and only had two catches. He had five targets through three quarters and was regularly beating this man. And you know what's funny? I I, I was fully expecting Ben McAdoo to go for the gusto going into this matchup. I said it as much on Car Sessions New York City. He was going to go for the gusto. Only for him to become some version of a Tom Coughlin where you play not to lose, you play to avoid situations, and you, and you end up losing because of it. Because if Odell Beckham would have been getting targeted throughout the game, chances are the game would not have been so close. The Giants were dominating the game, but they wasted a few possessions, but had treating, treating Shane Marine like he was the second coming of Marshall Falk, Eli 
Eli Manning being Eli with questionable interceptions, throwing a fade route to Bobby Rainey. But we want to talk about the interceptions. Nah, the whole offensive game plan was questionable. Victor Cruz had, what, three targets? Granted, Bob McAdoo, or Ben McAdoo, is a, is a, is a new coach. He's still trying to find the balance between offensive play calling and being an overall head guy. But Jesus, if you have the best player on the field at all times, what is so hard about getting him the ball? I'm just asking the question. What is so hard about getting him the ball? I had to, I had to catch him up, breath. I'm sorry. I'm not even mad that we lost. We weren't going to go 16-0. and You know, it's only happened once. I go, into, I go into every game in the NFL hoping for a win. But, you know, every now and again, losses are going to happen. I was salty yesterday because it was Sunday. You only get one game a week. It's not like it's baseball where the Mets could lose yesterday and play today, and I'll be okay. No, I got to wait seven I gotta wait seven days, and the Giants got to go to Minnesota. So I'm going to be stressed out. But right now, I'm a little frustrated because I feel like the coach tried to throw Odell Beckham under the bus as if he was the cause for the loss. When in reality, Bob McAdoo was the cause for the loss. He was the problem. Eli was the problem. We were still a shepherd in the second half. These are all legitimate questions. Where were these guys? Huh? Where, where they at though? Everybody want to do the memes and, and talk about the net hit Odell Beckham in the face. You know what? That was karma. The net didn't deserve that. But if I'm only getting five targets, and then when you finally target me and I, I get y'all down the field, you throw the ball to Will Ty? Come on, Eli. Josh Stillman didn't show you anything to where you had to hesitate. Josh Norman is not Revis in 07. He didn't show you anything that you had to hesitate throwing to his side of the field. Absolutely nothing. I would have defeated Odell Beckham until they had to force themselves to do a hard double coverage on him. Not the soft coverage where the safety's over the top. I would have I would have defeated Odell until the safety was flagrantly shading to his side, and then I would have been beating up Sterling Shepard and, and Victor Cruz on the other side of the what were you doing, Giants? But you want to throw Odell Beckham under the bus. Best player on your team can't get the ball because you scared something might happen. Get out of here, McAdoo. That's your first strike right there for the season. You're not on the call for list because I actually like you. But that's your first strike for the 2016 season. Watch your mouth and be better. Do better. I have a team. Oh, God. I'm sorry, though, y'all. Like, I was good until I got that alert this afternoon. Been McAdoo. Control his emotions. Please, you're the problem. <sighs> Overall, I was very impressed with Josh Norman. I was very impressed with Odell Beckham in the way they handled themselves. They went the exact opposite. People are gonna say, well, it's the referees, it's the referees, they couldn't do anything. Of course, yeah, I know. But at the end of the day, they didn't have to shake hands. Those two men met on the field, shook hands, touch pads, and whatever it was, I feel like it was squashed in that moment. Odell Beckham. You know, Josh Norman didn't play a crap game, but he got work. But he had his wins on Odell, too. Those two battled. And you know what? You know, it's, I wish this was basketball because I felt like that was the two best two guards in the league going back and forth against each other. That felt like a Kobe and T-Mac back in 04 kind of matchup to me. I look forward to when the Giants go to Washington to see what it looks like. But I digress. There's a few teams in the NFL who are three of them. You know? There's some excitement right now. Hooray! We're 3-0! We're going to the Super Bowl! Hooray! Yay! But really, what does does 3-0 really mean? It just means you won your first three games of the season. It doesn't carry anyway, unless you're the New England Patriots. What does it really mean? Huh? Let's take a look. The New England Patriots are 3-0. All of you should be extremely afraid right now. Why? Because... They've done that with Jacoby Brissett and Garoppolo as their quarterback. 3-0. I would be deathly afraid of when Shogun Brady comes back. Because that man is upset. The last time Tom Brady was this mad, they didn't lose the game until the Super Bowl. So what do you think is going to happen now? Hmm? 
Belichick scheming y'all to death. Defense is hitting. My iPhone just told me I need to update my wallet settings. Little do they know, I'm not updating my wallet settings because in the case that I lose my phone, everybody can have my information. That was a random tidbit, but that's what we do on call session. You guys should be afraid. I'm not a Patriots fan. I always have to throw that disclaimer in it. I am not a Patriots fan. But I gotta I gotta show I gotta show respect where respect is due. None of y'all, including myself, had the Giants. The Patriots, three and zero at this point in the season. And if you did, I want to see you, see your face, so I can call you, see your face, a liar. None of y'all had a three and zero. most people were hoping for for two and two until Brady got back. I'm pretty sure I told TJ that they will be three and one because if you're on the Patriots and Bill Belichick has you on the roster, you can play. I'm pretty sure I said that. Then I look around, right? Forget the Patriots. Patriots are on the class of the league. The Baltimore Ravens, 3-0. It's the city of Baltimore. They, they, they throw their hands in the air. They, they, they've completely forgotten about how foolish Ray Lewis sounds on Fox Sports right now. They're not even concerned about that because the Ravens are 3-0. The Ravens are 3-0 and have managed 57 points through three games. Yeah, let that sink in for a second. The Ravens, are 3-0 with a Super Bowl winning quarterback and have managed 57 points in three games. They don't have a plausible running game. They don't have a plausible passing game. Their 3-0 record is a victim of favorable scheduling at the moment. They got nothing to show for that 3-0 besides favorable scheduling. They beat the Bills who, who you know, we saw what they were the first two two games of the season before they fired their, their offensive coordinator for no good reason. Hmm? Tonight they beat the Steelers. Who did they beat yesterday? Was it, was it the Jaguars? The Jaguars are a disappointment. All of us all of us had the Jaguars doing major things, and they've given up 84 points. They can't stop a nosebleed. So when I look at the Baltimore Ravens, I'm like, wait a minute, these guys aren't very good. But this is the city of Baltimore. Hooray! Hooray! We're 3-0! Who's undefeated? We are! Yeah. For how long? Huh? I look at the, the Denver Broncos. And you know what? Salute to the Broncos. I had no respect for Trevor Simeon. You know, none of us did. You know, let's not sit back here and act like Johnny come lately. Let's, let's, let's not do that. None of us had them 3-0 at this point. None of us thought they would be this good. None of us thought they would put up 84 points through three games, almost averaging 30 a game. They're close to 30 a game with Simeon as their quarterback. Yeah, who knew that was coming? But I'm a little concerned about this team. Why? Because you already had dissension within the ranks in terms of the receivers, talking about frustrations, they, they, they need the ball, and, oh, you know, typical, typical wide receiver chat. Cool. What's going to happen week seven and week eight when there's a lot of film on Mr. Simeon? Hmm? And teams finally adjust when they play the, 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 the stout defense out in Kansas City. Uh, that's what we're going to see with time it is. We don't, we don't really know what it is. Do we? Hooray! Denver's 3-0! We're so good! <laughs> no, you're not! The Rams are 2-1! And they've only scored 46 points in three games. It's three games. Everybody's like, why Josh pass it so hard? Is it because the Giants lost? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Just a little bit. The Eagles, 3-1. and one, They've only given 3-0. and oh, They've only given up 27 points on a season. Carson Wentz impressive yeah Carson Wentz is very impressive I can't even I can't even flex <laughs> with a smidgen of preseason experience a few weeks ago I said the Eagles didn't have a plan and they told me to shut the hell up what are you talking about y'all my bad <laughs> so far I gotta eat that pot you know what kind of pot it is humble pot 
I gotta put some respect on the Eagles' name for now. Because it's the NFC East, and because I get this strange feeling that the NFC East is gonna be a 15-round fight, not 12, but 15. I can't completely scoff at 3-0 because what they've done is is position themselves to at least lose a game or two and not be completely out of it when November rolls around. So I won't scoff at them. They are the 3-0 team, the Minnesota Vikings. I was talking to TJ. I was talking to TJ uh, over the weekend. He said something to me about it's not necessarily the end of the world. Not necessarily the end of the world after Adrian Peterson got hurt. You know, I can't say I disagree. Because when you really, when you put things in this proper perspective, sometimes you gotta take emotion out of it. The problem with us as sports fans, a lot of times we get very emotional. We can't separate emotions from what's happening on the field and the on-field product. We get, we, and, it, and there was somebody actually tells you what it is for real, for real. We, we. We get in our bag to the point that we can't think logically. But get a quarterback who can actually function. I'm not saying that 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 Sam Bradford is the second coming of anything. No, absolutely not. But what I'm saying is, is that he's a functional quarterback who can do a lot. He has in terms of arm talent. Sam Bradford has that. There's no question of what he can do with the football. So that opens up parts of the playbook that you, you couldn't have used with a Teddy Bridgewater. You can't. So you add that in with Jerick McKernan. You have Asiata, I think is his name, Asiata. You have a thunder and lightning combination. I mean, granted, it leads to some predictability on offense because when Asiata's on the field, you, you, you're kind of going to expect a run. I, I get that. That might cause us some problems. But there's always the play-action pass. Diggs is showing out so far. A defense we already knew. We knew coming into the season that this would be a stout defense. So I think of all the three and O teams not named New England, the most the, the most fearsome three and O team, the realest three and O team, has to be the Vikings. Because as the season goes along, let's say if Adrian Adrian Peterson does come back healthy, but even if he doesn't, you have two useful running backs. You have a quarterback who finally is back in the dome stadium where he belongs with a very useful talent. And the O-line is not the greatest, but I don't think that – I think their pass protection is better than their run blocking as of right now. So that bodes well for Bradford, who's often injured. I think the Vikings are in good shape. What y'all think? You know, hit me on Twitter, chat underscore O'Hara. When y'all, once y'all get a chance to listen to this, let me know what y'all think. But I think the Vikings are in very good shape. I might be in the minority there, but I think they're in very good shape. Now, you got to think about this for a second. The way the NFC is shaking out and the way some of these teams look, it might be a team that shows up with unexpected home field advantage come playoff time and get put in a position to where if Minnesota continues to stretch, and you got to go to that brand new, very beautiful looking stadium, although they need to do a better job of taking injured players off the field. But that brand new, beautiful-looking Dome Stadium in the playoffs, we know how hard it is to win in the Dome in the postseason. When that crowd gets very loud and that noise suppresses and it's right on top of you and you're the visiting team, it's hard as hell to win the game. So if I'm looking around at the NFC, if I'm the Packers, if I'm, I'm going to name the Giants, the Cowboys, the Rams, the Seahawks, all of these teams... The Cardinals starting out slow, one and two. If I'm those guys, you need to start piling up some wins. I don't think y'all want to go against a stout defense in that kind of environment come playoff time. So if I if I'm you guys, start getting those wins. Green Bay, <laughs> you you better not lose again until you see the Vikings again. Because I think the Vikings are for real. I'm I'm a ride with TJ on this. One. TJ TJ kept it funky. And I had to get his point. I had to give him his shine and get his point on Carson. Every now and again, I think he jumps out the window. I keep it, I keep it a buck with y'all, but in this regard, he's right. He's extremely correct. Hmm. I can't believe I'm agreeing with TJ, man. You've been agreeing too much. I should have just, I shouldn't have said nothing. I don't care, TJ. I know you listen. I don't care. Next time, I'm just gonna disagree off GP. Just off GP. Just, just for the fun of it. All of you guys, 
celebrating three and oh. I want to see y'all week now when y'all like four and five. Hooray, three and oh. Golly gee whiz. We're making the playoffs. <laughs> but anyway, let's shift off for football. Let's take a break. We'll circle back. Chris Bosch. You know, it's, it's, it's a tough time on Miami right now. It's a tough time on Miami right now. TJ just texted you something right now. I'll be wrong. Get out of here, TJ. I'm right. But uh, it's a tough time in Miami. You know, everything going on with Jose Fernandez. And then the news comes out about Chris Bosh. And chances are, it's highly likely that he will no longer be a member of the Miami Heat. He won't get the medical clearance needed to play. The blood clot situation it, 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 it's looking like it's going to lead to the end of his career. His comments coming from D-Wade essentially saying he needs to do what's best for him, the person, and not him, the athlete. When you get, when you run into problems with blood clots as a high-level athlete, you're running the risk of, you know, losing your life. You know, a lot of guys are talking crazy about the Miami Heat. They're talking crazy about them calling them shysters, you know, basing everything on what happened with Dwayne Wade. But it's like it goes back to my point about emotions in sports. Sometimes you have to separate emotion from sports. Dwayne Wade asking for the money that he wanted wasn't cost efficient to that organization. I'm, I'm not necessarily sure why everybody had an issue with the heat looking at Dwayne Wade like brother man. Just because you had a comeback season after like three consecutive years of hardly being healthy, what does that, how does that constitute you wanting the Kobe contract? You're not even on the tier of a Kobe Bryant at the moment when he got the contract. You were a role player for your two or your three championships. Let's call a spade a spade here. I'm not afraid to speak my mind on car sessions. LeBron James got you those championships. The best finals performance from D-Wade during the Big Three era happened when LeBron choked against Dallas. Once LeBron James embraced who he was supposed to be, Dwayne Wade had moments, but he he played a role. He he served a purpose. He served a function, but he was not the star of that team. All right? So now you want the Kobe contract because you did this and you did that. They just gave you 20 mil, brother. It's no guarantee that you can follow up. There's nothing you've shown in your history as a player, even when you were in your prime, that guarantees that you can follow up with you did. Dwayne Wade has never never in his career been consistent with health. So why would Miami get this man close to 25 mil per to get hurt and wear a suit for half the season when he's not Kobe Bryant? He's, a, he's an all-time great, but he's not, in a, he's not in that tier. He's a tier beneath. Dude, Miami made a great business decision. So going back to Chris Bosh, Miami showed one thing. They have steadfast business and doing what's right. If this man has a life and death health concern, why would the Heat want to run the risk of this man dying on the basketball court? Like, y'all not thinking about that? Y'all, y'all want to throw potatoes and throw tomatoes and besmirch Pat Riley and Mickey Harrison, but you're not thinking logically? How the hell is he going to play if he if there's a possibility he, he could die? He has one doctor saying he can play. The Heat have multiple doctors saying he should not play. Medical, you know, you can do the research, look it up yourself, but everything in terms of medical history when it comes to blood clot showdown as a high-level athlete doing what he does. He runs an extreme risk of losing his life. Miami has no business clearing him to play. That's it. It's that simple. It's that simple. You can't get with that. <laughs> You're a moron. You know what I mean? I can't help but put it any other way but that. If, you, if it's one thing if you want to troll, for the trolls out there, I'm not speaking to y'all. But if you out here and you really believe that the Miami Heat are doing an injustice by not allowing Chris Bosh to play, you're a moron. That's it. You can take it how you want to take it. You're a moron. But it's like, do you want this man to die on the basketball court? You know? Like, what are we talking about here? When y'all flesh out this podcast, you know, and y'all, y'all really take it, and you will see that <laughs> I'm just telling you a, a from B. One plus one equals two. There's no there's no agendas. There's no besmirching. There's no slander here. 
if you my homeboy and you and you do something that can you know put your life in jeopardy, is it not my responsibility to make sure that you don't do that because I ain't trying to see you die? Everybody's holding on to this old Miami. If they don't let him play, they can release him in February and he won't count against the cap. Absolutely true. That's not a lie. But it's not like they're not letting him play because they don't want him to play. They're not letting him play because he might die. Huh? (laughs) Yes, I'm going to keep repeating that because I need y'all to really understand and fully grasp the levity, the magnitude of the situation. It's not about a salary cap. It goes bigger than a salary cap. They're not taking money out of this man's mouth. He's going to still get paid. But why not this man? Why not have him live and get paid? Is that asking for too much? I'm sorry. I guess it's asking for too much. Sometimes y'all kill me. You know, you know, y'all sports fans really get me upset because it's like sometimes y'all can't. This goes back to what I'm saying earlier. I, I know I like to tie things together. We look at these athletes, as I said earlier, as people who are larger than life. That we do. That is an actual fact. But these people are still human beings. They're only fake when you play video games. What you watch on TV are real people risking their bodies on every play. You're always one play away from a Paul George situation. Y'all don't think about that at all? Y'all are always one play away from a Paul George situation. A Joe Theismann situation. Michael Irvin and Philly situation. I forget his name, but he used to play for the Jets, and he broke his neck. I think his name was Bird. Y'all can look it up, but y'all see he was paralyzed. You need to have better perspective when it comes to these athletes that you're watching. We like we like to boast up and talk about how tough Kobe Bryant is when he tore his Achilles, but you, you know what? He tore his Achilles. <laughs> That's a part of his body. His anatomy, if you're not sure what I mean by body. I'm a little frustrated because I'm having a tone issue. But it's just like, y'all, y'all get me so mad sometimes, man. I'm so caught up in a soap opera. That is sports, you know? They treat it like a soap opera. That's an actual fact. They they do treat it like a soap opera. But these people aren't actors. There are no stunt doubles. There are no crash dummies. These are people who still have lives to live. You have to remember that. They still have a life to live. Be mindful of that. <laughs> I'm really upset right now. I'm not even gonna lie to y'all. What I read today was like, come on, y'all. Like, y'all serious? Which one of us wants to see Chris Bosch kill over right now while he's playing the game? Let me know so I can not be cool with y'all no more. Anyway. I'm going to back off that a little bit. You know, I've, been, I've been going kind of hard. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. I've been going in. I'm so, you know what? Let me apologize. I'm really, I'm ripping y'all. Y'all really don't deserve that. That don't. Maybe a little bit, but not. <laughs> y'all just get me so mad sometimes because it's like, yeah, yeah, y'all get, so, y'all get tunnel vision. Y'all get hung up on one thing, only one angle. There's multiple variables involved in these sports stories that you always have to be mindful of. It's not a TV show. It's not Empire. Things happen. You need to be mindful of it. Just like what I was talking about with Odell Beckham and Terrell Owens. You see a wide receiver on the sideline spazzing out. Now he's T.O. Nah, he's mad because singled out by his head coach. It was like, what is this? You want a teaching moment or do you want to win football games? Speaking of winning football games, I told you we circle back to football. Let's Miles. Finally. <laughs> Finally let go by LSU. Honestly, it's about two years too late if you want me to keep it all the way back. Two years too late. When you look around a uh, college football, what works, what doesn't work. We've seen the game go more speed. We've seen 
a lot more read option. We've seen a lot more spread. Yeah, when I watch LSU, LSU is still running the base vanilla offense that we were accustomed to seeing since, what, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 60s, the 50s, the 40s. The occasional gadget play to throw you off, but you knew exactly what would happen. In the offseason, it it, I read somewhere that Les Miles was basically mandated by the AD to spice things up offensively. LSU. LSU came into the season much like every season, ranked in the top 10. I think they were top 5 to start the season. And once again, they were sabotaged by their bozo head coach. Now, every now and again, you know, I, I might call it somebody. I try not to. I try to refrain from the name for it. But let's be frank here. Let's pause at the bozo. Because if you keep doing the same thing while all, all the teams in your league are adjusting, yet you're still doing the same thing. Everybody else knows it's coming, yet you do it. And it's not, all right, you have the plays and you feel like talent will rise to the top. But your talent can't rise to the top if they're being pigeonholed by their bozo head coach. You, 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 you obviously don't want to win. When you look around at what Auburn does with Malzahn, you you look at what Ole Miss is doing on Facebook. What are we talking about here? On top of the fact that their greatest rival is Alabama. Now, I like college football, but I'm, I don't go as deep into college as I do the NFL. I love NFL more than anything else. But I've learned if I've learned anything over the years. Is that you cannot beat Alabama trying to play a base power offense. You are playing into their strength defensively. TJ will attest to this. If there's one team, if excuse me, if there's one style that always gives Alabama problems, it's the spread offense. You're gonna score points to Alabama because they got those big uglies up front. They 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 they're not as fleet of foot in terms of east to west, not north and south, but east to west on the field, so you can get them. We've seen teams do it. We've seen really good teams get them, because they, it's a matchup issue. Ole Miss is giving them problems because of that. We saw in the national title game last year, Deshaun Watson and those boys over there at Clemson, how they gave it to them. We saw with Ohio State, how they gave it to them. We saw with Oklahoma, how they gave it to them. Spread offices are murder for Alabama. With Les Miles, wants to run power. Les Miles has two six foot two plus wide receivers and hardly gets them the ball. Les Miles had Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, and, 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 and who would have thought that they would have been that good? <laughs> who would have thought they would have been this good in the NFL? How would we know if your coach is not featuring them? Maybe they would have. Maybe they would have been extremely dynamic in college if you would have put them in a spread offense, let those boys get down the field. I'm just saying. So you know what? I'm glad he lost his job. This league doesn't have any room for bozos. This league being the SEC. If you're trying to win at a high level in the SEC, you can't be a bozo. One plus one equals two. You see how I'm simplifying the show for y'all? One plus one will always equal two. Les Miles has been getting 11 for a long time, adding two ones together. It's time for him to go. Now he could put Les Miles on his body and go sit home or go get a job on ESPN and be another fired coach with all the answers in front of a camera but can't coach on the sideline. I'm going in. I don't care. I don't got any respect for that. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, you know, let's let's get into the race thing a little bit. You know, I I try not to get too racial on car sessions because you know it's not very nice. You know, I don't want to change. I don't want to scare the office the, the listeners away. But I saw something over the weekend that you know made me scratch my head. I didn't even know who this dude was, to be honest. Steve Clevenger, Mariners backup catcher, tweeting some things, 
what do you say in in regards to the North the North Carolina riots of last week? Saying everyone involved should be locked behind bars like animals. Mr. Clevenger, tell us how you really feel. Hmm? <laughs> White baseball player in Seattle says black people in the South should be locked up like animals. Yikes. <laughs> Stoinks! Did you do that on purpose? Were you trying to get a get out of Seattle ticket? Because you did. <laughs> Spend it without pay for the rest of the season. It's just like, come on, guys. We know how Twitter works. We know how this works. So it has. Are you you had to have done it on purpose. Because you can't tell me that you didn't know what the fallout would be. Or did you think because your name is Steve Clevenger that nobody would notice? Maybe that's what it was. Maybe he thought no one would notice. That's fair. But we all, that's not how Twitter works, my friend. We beat game. (laughs) Mr. Clevenger, do better, be better. Now, I got my man Eddie Cigarro on the line. We're going to talk a little MLB pennant race. Let's get him on in. Eddie, welcome back to Card Session. We missed you. Thanks for having me on, Ray. What's going on, brother? Uh, just, uh, what, six more uh, six more games in the regular season? Let's see if the Mets can pull this off, you know, with a winning road trip. Yeah. <laughs> they ain't starting too good, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little worried about this game. I won't lie to you. With everything happening surrounding Jose Fernandez, I didn't. I didn't like our chances. I mean, yeah, you're right though. Obviously, with the emotion of uh, his yeah. tragic death, um, you know. So um, obviously, the Marlins are going to try to win for him. You know, it's just it was just pure coincidence that he was supposed to start today for the Miami Marlins. You know. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, this yeah, this game scares me as well. But you know, it's so early on. You know. Uh, luckily yeah. for the New York Mets, they still have three more games against the Philadelphia Phillies, you know? Absolutely. But, uh, you know, I mean, you know, talking about the Philadelphia Phillies, though, um, you know, the Mets recently completed 10 game homestand. They went six and four, but I mean, just let's just, let's just dissect that for a second, right? The Mets swept the Minnesota Twins, scored a total of nine runs, and then they get swept by the Atlanta Braves, which is an absolute disgrace. And then you take three out of four from the Phillies, and then there was that Saturday game that Noah Syndergaard was supposed to start. They were down 10 nothing. They score eight runs, and they had to tie runs on base in the ninth inning. Uh, uh. Eddie, more importantly, let's, let's, I'm going to grab the stereo real quick. <laughs> you knew this was coming, bro. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> you go to City Field last Tuesday. And can, you, can you let the listeners know what took place when you went to City Field, sir? All right. All right, Mets fans. <laughs> this is what happened. I went into City Field with a 6-1 and one record. It wasn't mm-hmm. as impressive as your undefeated streak, Ray. Yes. There was 6-1. Yes. and one. I absolutely thought that they were going to win. They were up one to nothing heading into the fifth inning, and it all unraveled. Uh-huh. They lost 5-4, to four, and then you clearly stated I was a jinx. Yes. But you know what? Yes. You went to the game on Friday... And they won, and your streak was still intact. That's exactly what happened last week. That's exactly what happened. You, you came on the show, and you, and, and you got a little arrogant. You sounded like a Yankee fan almost. I was a little disappointed in you. Just, just ex- having expectations, knowing, knowing the struggles that we suffer as men. <laughs> and we proceeded to lose the series to the Atlanta Braves in the process. I had to go save the season. Friday at City Field. I'm just going to throw it out there. I had to save you. 
Hey, I mean, the Mets, the New York Mets definitely need more of you at City Field next season because if, oh, if this yeah. year was any indication, they're not going to lose any games that you go to, but apparently they'll lose one or two games that I go to. I so. mean, it really, you were 5-2 and two because one of those wins came with me, so that, I'm going to take credit for that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are right about that, my friend. But, you know, talking about the Mets, um, you know, obviously Noah now making his start on Saturday could have been worse. I'm sure the whole, I'm sure Mets Twitter and I'm sure the whole Mets universe was just worried if it was a bone spur issue. No, it wasn't. It was only strep throat. But, the you know, Noah Syndergaard was lined up to pitch that wild card game if, He's scheduled to start tomorrow night against the Marlins. And if they need Sunday's game, he's going to pitch on that Sunday, meaning he's out of the mix for the wild card game, right? So who starts that wild card game if the Mets make it? Well, I'm not going to I'm not gonna go too far in terms of the rotation. I think it all depends on what happens. If the, if the Mets are in a situation where they can clinch before Sunday, they'll probably just skip him and, and buy, you know, haven't prepared for the wild card game, but in the event, in the event that he has to face Sunday to secure the playoff spot, I guess Bart. <laughs> Who else you got? Gazelman. <laughs> we don't have many options right now. That's, and that's what I wanted to ask you about. What do the Mets do with Steve Matz, man? If he if he is healthy enough to pitch, do we just leave him in the bullpen? Like, what do you do with him? You know, it, it, it's sounding more and more likely if if Matt miraculously can pitch for the Mets in the playoffs, he, he's going to pitch in a bullpen role. I mean, he hasn't okay. pitched in over six. He hasn't pitched in over six weeks. The, the minor league season's over, so it's not like he can build up his stamina in the minor league. Though there's just simply not enough time for Steven Matt to be a starting pitcher come the play uh, come the playoffs. So if Steven Mass is going to pitch again for the New York Mets in 2016, it's going to be in a bullpen role. He won't be able to pitch more than an inning because he hasn't pitched in six weeks. I just think right now just uh, he's a competitor. Um, you know, obviously, I think the New York Mets are a better team with him in the starting rotation, but you can't count on him right now. You know, right now, I'm just worried about the guys they have. You have you have Noah Syndergaard. You have a Bartolo Colon. You know, uh, Seth Lugo's pitched extremely well. You know, Robert Gazelman. Yeah, seven shutout innings against the Phillies, which may not say much because of the Philadelphia Phillies. But if I'm a Mets fan, which I am, I'm worried about a Robert Gazelman starting a postseason game for the Mets. I mean, the guy he he can't hit the he can't swing the bat. He can't no. swing the bat for the New York Mets. You know, if you have a, if you have runners on first and second with one out, though, you know, pitchers are going to know he's not going to get a hit. You know, he has a laboring problem with his left shoulder, though, you know? Um, so that can be problematic. Can you start him in a postseason game, if any, you know? That's, that's, that's tricky, man. That's tricky. That's honestly a tricky situation. Uh-oh. That's a that's a tricky situation, Ray. But right, like I said, right now the New York Mets just take you know like your your, your mantra: take it one day at a time. They have they have six games remaining. If they go five and one, they're definitely in. If they go four and two, I think they'll be in as well. Um, I think the best thing that you know, happens to the Mets is, is that teams behind them, being the Giants and more importantly the Cardinals, they're losing when we need them to. You know what I mean? The, the, the Mets have lost a couple of games where the Giants and the Cardinals lost on the same night, so it didn't hurt as much. Right now, we have, I don't want to call it too much of a cushion, but there's enough wriggle room to where we could probably lose tonight. You know, and it's, we still have at least a game up on the Cardinals. We still have a half game up on the Giants. So, that being said, I'm not too concerned as of yet. But if No, if you're yeah, no, you're, just, you're. Go ahead. I'm I'm sorry to cut you. No, I'm sorry to cut you off. But now what I'm trying to say is that you're right, though. Um, you know when the Mets have lost, um, they've normally been able to rebound the next day, and then it just so happens that the Cardinals, uh, the Cardinals and the Giants have lost. You know, and let's not forget though, if the Mets and Car, if the Mets and Giants finish with the same record, um, the Mets. 
by virtue of their four and three record against the Giants, we'll get the wild card. We'll get the home field. Let's not forget about that. So, you know, right now the Mets have a one game lead over the Giants. It's essentially a two game lead because of the season matchup between the two right. teams. Right, right. That's and that's um, you know, Mets fans put that in your pocket. That that with the regular season does matter in some regards. Winning those series against out of division teams like the Giants are very helpful. But let's shift away from the match, you know, as we normally do when you come on, we got to show some other teams some love. I'm looking at the, the AL East. I'm going to ask you to prognosticate now. It's looking more and more likely that it's going to be the Toronto Blue Jays and the Baltimore Orioles in the AL wildcard game. Who do you like in that match? You know what? I like the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, obviously they have last year's experience going to the American League Championship Series where they lost in six games to the eventual World Series champions, Kansas City Royals. I just think, you know, Toronto, their fan base the last couple of years, they led the league in attendance for the second straight year. They, they drew over 3 million fans. That's a tough place to play at, though. And I just feel like Baltimore's not going to be able to, they're not going to be able to overcome that. So I really like the Blue Jays. If it's, if, whoever, whether it's the Detroit Tigers, if it's the Baltimore Orioles, you know, I just don't see in a one-game playoff situation. I just don't see Toronto losing at home. I just don't. You know, I just can't call it with the AL East. <laughs> but selfishly speaking, I would like for the Blue Jays to get back. I like, I like what, I like the Blue Jays approach. I like the Red Sox approach. You know, every now and again we get so caught up, you know, being Mets fans, we love pitching. We we love to see pitching. In that kind of domination, but it's nothing about a, a bashing offensive team that gets me. And I like the approach of the Toronto Blue Jays. And I kind of want them to go deep in the playoffs again. I'm not gonna lie to you. Coming to the AL with the with the Royals taking that step back through the World Series hangover, I wouldn't mind if it's the Blue Jays. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, you know, um, that would be, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of Toronto Blue Jay fans are happy to hear that from you. But, you know, talking about the American League, we still don't know the matchups yet. You know, the Red Sox, the Indians, and the Rangers are clearly playing for best record in the American League. I like the Red Sox a lot. I think they're playing their best baseball of the season. You know, obviously with uh, David Ortiz having, like, the best final season ever for a 40-year-old. I think everything, they're clicking on all cylinders. They, they most likely have the American League MVP and Mookie Betts. David Price has pitched extremely well as of late. They're, you know, Rick Porcello is probably going to win the American League Cy Young. They have a really good bullpen, deep lineup. You know, I just don't I just don't see how the Red Sox would be. I'd be shocked if the Red Sox don't come out of the American League this year. I would be just shocked. And that's, but that's the beauty of baseball, man. It's, it's unpredictable. This, this in hockey, when the playoffs roll around, it, it doesn't matter. The regular season goes out of the window once the playoffs start. It's just get in. Those ten teams that get in, everybody's live. You know, and that's 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 why I feel like baseball doesn't get enough credit. Is that there's, it, I don't know, maybe since the Yankees had their nice run, what was it, four out of six, four out of five, if I'm not mistaken. We haven't had one team where we could just point out and say they're gonna take it. If it happens, it's because it was still a crapshoot if the favorite won. But every year, every team is live. Nobody had the Mets going to the World Series. You know what I mean? Outside of maybe we we did. <laughs> but in, in the nation, nobody had the Mets. Nobody saw the Royals coming two years ago. It's, it's a crapshoot. The, the Rangers had a two-year run where they were the best team in the American League, and they fell off. It's just it's open season. So I I don't know, man. The Red Sox look good. I wouldn't be surprised, and even if the Mets miss the playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cubs get bumped in the wild card round. It's just the way baseball is set up. No, no, you're right though. You know, just like you know, you just said it. Just like hockey, baseball tends to be very unpredictable. But you know, this is obviously the last show before the playoffs. If you would have asked me right now, if you would have asked me right now, will the Mets make it in? I would emphatically say yes. They're okay, I'm knocking on wood it? right now. Do you hear that? I'm knocking on wood. Let's go Mets. They're going to the Mets and the Giants will be playing in the wild card game next Wednesday night in a site to be determined. And regardless of the outcome, I hope to have you on. Whether they make it or not, we got to wrap the season with at least one more 
Eddie Cigar segment on Car Sessions discussing the mess. Hey, sounds good to me. I got hey man, and I got I got a I got a lead in sound for you. When I was at the game Friday, I was able to to record the Let's Go Mets chant live. I even had a drunk dude behind me who got in on it. So we're gonna have a nice Eddie sound for you coming on next Monday. So a little more incentive <laughs> for you to come on. Hey, sounds like a plan, my friend. Ed, man, I appreciate you as always, and let's go Mets, bro. Let's go Mets. Thanks for having me on. Definitely. Everybody, there you have it. No overtime this week. I know I went a little too far, but we had a lot to cover last week. But another successful session in the books. Uh, Car Sessions New York City will be coming at you. This Thursday, so be on the look for that. You already know New York City is a totally different vibe from what you get on Mondays with the sports report. So be on the lookout for that. The time is yet to be determined. As you know, when that when that drops, it drops. The sports report is not the same as New York City. Don't expect that. When I drop it, I'm just gonna give you a nice little. Oh, by the way, it's coming, and then it's gonna drop. That's it. So look out for that Thursday. Follow me on Twitter to be notified of when that's gonna come. Chet underscore O'Hara. I repeat that, Chet. C-H-E-T underscore O-H-A-R-A on Twitter. Follow me, and until next time, I'm out of here. Have a good one. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.